0: In Manhattan. <laughs> McGruer off in time. Got it! And can't just stay Stuns Baylor!
1: Welcome to Bring on the Podcast. Here's your host, A Hernali.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of Bring in the Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson, and Eric is here with us, Eric bottom. Eric, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing well tonight. How about you guys?
2: You know, doing pretty well. And our, our guest from Our Daily Bear is one of our favorites. You know him as Matt is Bear, also Matt Wilson. Matt, how are you?
1: Good morning, Waco. <laughs> uh it's basketball season guys it's no we're done with football thank god after that super bowl it is full-blown basketball season guys and i'm very excited if you couldn't tell thank you for having me on
2: listen matt you're on a kansas state podcast as far as we're concerned football season ended two weeks ago when
1: Kansas Kansas lost Oh, uh, you know, this is very true this is very true uh guys how's it going
2: it's it's going good because you know what i'm uh i'm looking at the big 12 standings and kansas state and baylor are tied for first place uh that's got to be there's got to
1: be it's got to be a bug as they say in the software world i don't want to get too behind the baseball uh here but they call it a bug sometimes. that's got to be incorrect right yeah you you think so and
2: you know as if that's not amazing enough i i believe both these teams started oh and two or at least one and two
1: so or, like baylor so one and two okay
2: one and 2.
1: Oh, oh boy uh, Baylor <laughs> started uh, one and two, but not in, uh, that's not good at all. Because a loss to Texas Southern, no matter how good they are this season, <laughs> should not beat you uh, at home. So, um, Oh, no, sorry, time, I'm talking about conference
2: bad, play. Oh, you're talking about...
1: Just overall, the, just the bad. In yeah. conference play, yeah, there was, there was some uh, rough goings on there as well. You know, a loss to TCU on the road is not the worst thing in the world, but it's not great either.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Uh but yeah, so also one and two in conference play.
2: Yeah, yeah, well. we'll we'll talk about the non-con later. But I, I want to talk about you know Big Twelve play. I you know Baylor in some ways in a similar situation to to Kansas State after Dean Weed went down. You know we were pretty worried, especially since they used the word indefinitely. You know that's that's hardly ever good. But uh, Baylor. Probably even worse, you know, that the NCAA field goal leader, probably their best player, safe to say, Tristan Clark, and you guys lost him for the season. I mean, what were expectations at, at that point?
1: It was pretty... Uh, <laughs> pretty dark. Um, so, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of excitement around this Baylor program right now, but it also seems like some people think that this team is better without Tristan Clark. And let me be clear and let me carry the Our Daily Bears motto that this is absolutely not true. Uh, Tristan Clark is by far and away the best player on this Baylor team, and, uh, you know, not having him does impact in a net negative way. So, It was announced, man, just like 30 minutes before the Kansas game back in early January. And, you know, Baylor plays that game close. uh, But, you know, I think it was a five-point loss. And after that, you start looking down the schedule. It's like, man, if we don't have our our leading scorer, our best rebounder, you know, and and our rim protector, what is it going to look like? Two wins in, in conference play? Maybe three? Uh, it looked really dark, but I think four and fourteen is what Kendall Count over at OVB <laughs> was thinking to himself. And uh, we have that and then some since that Kansas game. So uh, it has been a remarkable turn of events.
2: Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, Eric, I think that there were some pockets of K State fans for a little bit floating the idea that maybe K State was better without Dean Wade, given the tournament run and the you know one win here or there. But I- it's safe to say that's over now.
0: Um well guilty as charged. Uh, I'm sure someone can go back through my Twitter feed where I actually posited that hey, you know, things weren't going great offensively for Case State when when uh before Dean Wade got hurt, you know, maybe we might actually come out of this playing a little bit better, kind of like we did at the end of the season last year without uh without Wade in the uh, in the lineup. I was wrong. Uh, I can, I can admit to that. Um, you know, similarly, it's like, it's, it's insane to sit there and, uh, you know, looking back on it, even, even question the fact that frankly, your best, your most talented player being gone from the team could be a positive, you know, having him back on the, uh, Having him back on the squad uh, and and getting his conditioning back up, it looks like his foot's okay. Um, hasn't no- notably been bothering him in playing, um, and certainly as his last game uh, certainly proved that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I love that picture that we had with the slate today of him blocking the shot. You know, not something you think about with being weighed a whole lot, but it's good to see him making a pretty athletic block there.
0: You know the second block that he had in that game where he 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 tossed it and then he flexed at the dude and <laughs> I was loving. <laughs> okay. uh,
2: yeah, Matt. One thing that I thought was interesting and this kind of speaks to Baylor's transformation is if you look at their uh, starting lineup for the last game on ESPN, you know they have positions and all five of those guys have a little G next to their name.
1: Man, <laughs> who even knows? Like. You're exactly right. So you go down the starting lineup, 6'1", 6'3", 6'3", 6'7", And the guy who is is six seven is not our center. Uh, so, yeah, it has been remarkable to see that lineup go out. And honestly, the most astounding thing is, You you might say it's the three-point shooting. We'll probably get to that at some point, but it's the rebounding. The rebounding numbers that these guys are putting up, and maybe not so much the numbers, but the way they are Mm -hmm. doing it. It's just been textbook blocking out. Mark Vitale is 6'5", 230, although that 230 might be a little conservative. He is (laughs) a block of a man, and he goes out and he grabs almost eight rebounds a game, and it is massively important because the front court players behind him in Freddie Gillespie, Flo Thamba, they're freshmen or first-year players in, in the case of Freddie Gillespie coming from D3 ball. So, yeah, Flo Thamba, freshman, 6'10", great you know, body for rebounding and, and playing the way a Scott Drew big man should. And Freddie Gillespie, who is built you know, in almost the same way, but they're just new to the Big 12. And so you really couldn't expect them to do a whole bunch. Now they have, which has been great, but yeah. that starting lineup has rebounded sufficiently well, if not way surpassing expectations.
0: It's amazing how how those those sort of things happen when you actually just boil it down to fundamentals and, you know, do your job boxing out instead of just relying on athleticism to, to go get the ball.
1: I, I think it's also, it's fun because you you get to defy expectations every trip down the floor. And I'm, I love to put myself in the mental space of Mark Vinal. And if you're undersized, but you're stronger than the guy next to you, you can point at him, say he's softer than I am and push him out of the way. And you're right. It just comes down to that sometimes. Well,
0: I'll tell you what you were you were spouting off the, those heights and everything like that. And save for the Vitale right that's uh, you know two thirty plus, it sounded eerily like some of my rec leagues started, to the season,
2: <laughs>
0: where the 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 six 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 seven dude is it, do, it doesn't play on the inside, and you don't have anybody else on the team taller than six five.
1: Yeah, yeah I've been short for a hundred percent of my life, and so
0: yes, I can relate to that quite a bit.
2: Yeah, I got my growth spurt after I gave up on high school basketball. It so worked out really well. I guess, yeah, let's go ahead and talk about the three pointers because the numbers are pretty crazy. Baylor shot below 31% in the non conference, and then now they're 36% in Big 12 play. And, you know, I, I was talking about it on uh, Saturday. K State and Baylor. End of the day, is the two worst three-point shooting teams in the country. Of course, K State, you know, set a record and shot better than fifty percent, and Baylor was at least above fifty percent at halftime. I don't know what they ended up. So, you know, what is it? Just better shot selection, or guys just shooting better?
1: Sure. I think, and this is all anecdotal. So I haven't really. I'm kind of biting on a piece I'm working on for ODB, but just anecdotally, it feels like there is more of a willingness to just fire away. Mm -hmm. and and maybe some of that comes from just a looseness knowing hey we lost our our best player in tristan clark and we also lost one of our from an efficiency standpoint best three-point shooters in jake lindsey in the off season and so you lose two pieces the expectations kind of fly out the window and you just get loose and you just start firing how much of that is actually scott drew dictated how much of it is just the player saying hey man we're out here, we got to score. We're not going to do it from the inside a whole bunch, so let's do it from the outside. But, man, this team, I don't know that this team has ever led the Big 12 in three-point percentage or three-point attempts or three-point makes. And right now, mm-hmm. you know, three-point percentage first, three-point attempts third, three-pointers made, three made first. It's, <laughs> I've never seen this from a, a Baylor team. Uh, and so, it, honestly, it's just a lot of fun. You can start breaking down some of the individual performances, but just as a team, just a whole bunch of flamethrowers out there.
2: Yeah. And I guess, kind of on those same lines, Eric, you know, you want to speak a little bit about the difference between, you know, and I think we should acknowledge that a little bit it is just luck, but, you know, why did K State shoot 7 to 31 or whatever it was at a and then 16 to 29 and the next game at Oklahoma State?
0: Well, you really brought up, the, I think, the, the key point between those two games that you mentioned, uh, you know, talking to Matt about Baylor, is shot selection. You know, uh, if you if for any of you guys that watched the, te- the uh, Texas A&M game, a lot of those threes, they were the first shot available. They were rushed. They were just, uh, and, and a lot of them started coming late in the game, too, when we were, you know, behind and just chucking the ball at that point. Most of the threes that we took in the uh, against Oklahoma State were were really they, they were most of them were very contextually smart. They were good shots. They weren't necessarily the first shot available, but they were the best shot that came available. A lot of it was made from actually you know playing zone offense and understanding <laughs> how to beat a zone, which is something that our team has really struggled with all season. They did it masterfully against uh, Oklahoma State. Now, Oklahoma State isn't exactly a, uh, isn't a juggernaut out there this year, but you know they're a quick team that seems to re- that, that has the ability to recover pretty well uh, on, on the perimeter on a zone. And we were getting the ball in the paint, collapsing the zone, kicking it out for open threes. And I'll tell you what, those, those are the threes that you're looking for, not that rush stuff where you just swing it around on the outside and take the first one that's available. Yeah. Was it weird
1: that Barry Brown only took nine shots in that A&M game? To me, that was weird. I watched that whole game. And it was oh, just, I'm sorry. There's there just a weird cadence to the whole game. Yeah, I I thought it was a bad loss, but not like a bad loss. Does that make sense?
0: There was nothing in that Texas A&M game to take away from other than K-State just basically came out and crapped the bed for 40 minutes. They just really didn't play well. They didn't play smart. You know, they got beat by a a, a pretty mediocre team that frankly didn't have a great night. Mm-hmm. But that's what happens when you don't show up.
1: Yeah yeah
2: they had one guy had a good second half. that
1: was about it <laughs> yeah a former Baylor player, by the way, Wendell oh. mitchell just just letting you know that's uh it.
0: just thought I should drop that in there <laughs> yeah. yeah and 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 honestly, that's the second game that we played this season. you know the the yeah. Tulsa, it was very reminiscent of the Tulsa game
2: well uh, and, you know, where
0: it was it it was just a you know a, it was a a colossal crapping of the bed for forty minutes.
2: Well, and I and I thought it was good, and maybe you know uh, part of the reason that they were really responsible for the next game is that you saw accountability from Bruce and from the players. You know, there was an interview with Dean where he was saying he was in the effort, and Bruce was saying, you know, I I should have prepared him better. So I, I think you know certainly better than the alternative to see those guys.
0: Take yeah, and and everything, and, and frankly, everything that went wrong against uh, that that we did not do well against Texas A and M whether it was effort or it was scheme or it was, uh, you know, just people knowing what they're supposed to be doing and that sort of thing was corrected against Oklahoma State. Yeah. Well, so, it was,
2: you know, we were talking about the zone and, you know, well, first of all, I guess there there's some chatter that maybe, you know, K-State fans figuring that Bill Self's going to find a way to, to throw up some sort of junk zone defense. I, I don't know if he really needs to do that. I, I think, you know, I would think this KU team talent-wise, athleticism-wise can match up fairly well defensively with K-State. But, you know, obviously K-State will see the zone against Baylor Saturday. So definitely seems like a good time to to get the zone offense rolling.
0: Yeah, certain, certainly. And, you know, I think the biggest thing is just going back to Baylor's rebounding. Just be fundamental with it. Understand what you're trying to do and go do it as opposed to you know come a zone offense doesn't have to be flashy it's really yeah. simple a zone offense is really simple you know you get the ball on the inside you kick it back out yeah. and you uh, uh and you look for shots that way or you really focus on on moving the ball from side to side there's a, a A term that we talk about called the third side, where you get the ball to one side of the floor, you get it to the other side of the floor, and by the time you bring it back to the third side or the original side, the zone's going to be so stretched out that you can Mm -hmm. get pretty much any shot you want at that point. But it it just requires a lot of diligent execution, and uh, you know, as uh, what I saw against Oklahoma State, I liked, and it's going to be, it's going to boil down to you know not getting freaked out and just you know sticking with those fundamentals.
2: And then, I mean, the other part of that is. Matt probably hears uh, K-State wasn't very good against the zone last year or this year, and it, it's pretty confused because K-State lit up Baylor's zone a couple of times, especially the, that first game last season. So, I don't know, Matt, is there anything different about the Baylor's zone? that I, I, don't,
1: I don't know that there's anything inherently different about the zone itself. Obviously, there's some growth with some of the players uh, who are in their second or third year playing it. Makai Mason, obviously, yeah. you know, pretty smart player as a senior a grad student, so grad student from Yale. So, yeah, from Yale, exactly. And I so I think there's some expertise that has, you know, wiggled its way in there. I also think that it's been mixed a lot better. Uh, if there's one thing that you have to tip your hat to Scott Drew this year, is how he's mixed in man to man defense uh, with the 1 3 1 and uh, also just shifting that 1 3 1 into different variations at times when to close out, when to move to the front the back. There's a lot of fun little tweaks that they've made based on matchups. Um, and so I think, yeah, it's it's still the one, three, one It hasn't changed dramatically, but I think there's a lot more variations that teams can't really get into a, a comfort zone and just kind of bomb away from the corners. You know, it, I think they are actually mm. denying the kind of the dunker spot quite a bit better than they did last year, uh, which prevents it from collapsing on itself. So you know, without diving too deep into the film, like I, I, think, just having some slightly smarter players compared to their last year version, and also just having uh, a little bit more variation has, man, it's it's really been effective. You look at the opponent three point field goal percentage, uh, and only two teams have really smoked it in conference play, and that's Kansas, who shot, you know, nine for sixteen. Which, okay, that'll happen every once in a while from Kansas, yeah. and then Oklahoma State in a loss. Somehow shot thirteen for twenty-nine, which I don't know that that'll ever happen again for
2: them this season. Well, but that was uh, the same game that Baylor shot fifteen for twenty-five, right?
1: So, exactly. That <laughs> Baylor went absolutely bonkers that game uh, and got the win. Uh, it was good timing for it too. But <laughs> past that, nobody shot better than thirty-three percent, and uh, that was Tech held West Virginia, who's bad to a low percentage, held Alabama, who's pretty bad to a low percentage. And then Oklahoma and TCU both sub-30%. So, you know, I, I think if that trend continues, then that puts Baylor in a pretty good spot defensively, at least.
2: Yeah. yeah. I think that the key is getting it to Dean Wade in that high post spot. I think, you know, maybe you could make an argument for Dietrich Lawson, but but Dean Wade, I think, is as dangerous as anybody in the conference when he catches the ball, you know, 10 or 15 feet away from the hoop. Yeah, yeah. he has
1: to, he has to shoot well. From the mid-range, sorry. Uh, he has to shoot well from mid-range to keep this thing competitive, at least from on that side of the floor, which I think he absolutely can't do.
0: You know, I think one of the biggest things that a one-three-one defense does is it—it uh, it really, uh, if you've got a good athletic one-three-one, uh, it's going to cause a lot of turnovers. The, I think that's the biggest takeaway from that compared to like a uh, more of your traditional two-three zone, which is a little bit more of a uh, driving protection and shot protection type uh, type zone. So, I think as long as K-State can play without turning the ball over. Uh especially, you know, that we really like doing just kind of that one side to the other across the top of the key pass. That's stuff that doesn't happen against a one three one. So it's gonna that, that ball to prove your point, that ball going into to Dean Wade in that high post or that mid post area is gonna be critical against a one three one.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about Baylor's offense and I think we've gotta start with, you know, we talked about how great Dean Wade was he scored twenty four course, and didn't miss a field goal, but he didn't win Big Twelve Player of the Week because of Goodness that gracious. guy from Baylor, he scored oh, forty points. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Barry Brown is watching that tape and saying, "All right, I want to, I want to guard this guy. I want my shot." But um, you know, how do you slow him down?
1: I I don't know because <laughs> Makai Mason is all of six one, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Six one, and he, he's mounting, he's athletic, but he has found a way, it's not just the outside shooting is what I'm trying to get to, it's, Makai mm-hmm. uh, Mason has found a way to continuously get to about 10, 8 feet, and either throw a very high-efficient floater up, find the correct pass, which is oftentimes a very difficult pass, or it's a leaner off of some Insane angle off the backboard. And he's shooting a great percentage from that as well, almost 55%. And so it's just, if he if he mixes that with continuing to shoot just an insane efficiency from three, I don't know that you can because it, it keeps you off balance. Now, I, I do think he will come back to earth slightly <laughs> with his three-point shooting. I don't know that you can keep this up a, a, as he is. But it hasn't yeah. just been McKay Mason. I think that his ability to score the ball has kind of taken the pressure off some of the freshmen and younger players. (laughs) Jared Butler, for instance, has been a revelation in shooting the ball. And, you know, he he will absolutely make freshman mistakes at times. But, man, he's fun to watch. He can attack the rim. He can shoot the ball. uh, And he has a pretty good uh, occasional uh, pass that you didn't see before he did because he knew it was there (laughs) all along. Um, Yeah, so – I. You know, Jared Butler is just one example. Devontae Bandu has been shooting the ball pretty well. Uh, Mario Kegler hasn't been the transfer from uh, Mississippi State. Yeah. We're kind of waiting on him to show up in the form and fashion that he did in the SEC. Uh, but when he does, I think he'll be pretty pretty dangerous. Yeah.
2: What, one thing I was a little surprised by, you know, I was looking at trying to see who's kind of picked up the slack for, for Tristan Clark. And, um, I figured King McClure will be one of the guys, but he's actually d- been less productive in, in the last few games. Um, and he's
1: been he's been fine. He, he absolutely he won the Oklahoma State game by himself. Uh-huh. Let's be very clear: he won the Oklahoma State game, and it's not that he's been terribly inefficient from three up until recently. I hope it's just a temporary slump. But you're right: there's been some mental errors. There's been some hesitation to shoot. Uh, I hope that goes away relatively soon because we need him. It's going to have to be all hands on deck, especially if somebody else hits a slump. We're going to need him to step up.
2: I remember he had a pretty big game against K State last year.
1: Maybe I'm... He is, if there's one thing anybody ever said on his scouting report, is don't let him shoot it. He is a fantastic shooter. When he has space, time, and rhythm, uh, he's going to shoot a very high clip.
2: So and then you know so Baylor's got this win streak going and you know the first few wins were nice but these last two wins have just been running people out of the gym like and, and TCU and Oklahoma are supposed to be you know decent teams I'm not sold in Oklahoma but that's I'm team. not sold
1: in Oklahoma <laughs> I, I don't think it, at some like you have to fight somebody if they blow you out by thirty in your own gym in a snowstorm. You have to fight somebody, right? I was kind of, I was disappointed in the Oklahoma program for not starting a fight. I'll say, <laughs> it. I'll say it. I don't know that they're as good as they were, you know, branded to be before the conference season start. TCU should be good. They are missing, you know, obviously one massive piece okay. with the whole transfer uh, scenario, and his name is completely escaping me. You um, thank you. They should be better than letting Baylor score 90 and only scoring 64. I, I don't know. It Obviously, the Makai Mason hitting nine threes, that'll do it, though, against ECU. <laughs> yeah. Against Oklahoma, yeah. everybody was hot. So, I, you know, again, shooting will at some point regress to the mean. Yeah. I hope it's not for a couple of weeks.
2: <laughs> yeah. I guess it's kind of almost the opposite of how I would expect that turn to go. You know, a lot of times you see teams lose a key piece sort of have to reinvent themselves and they're good for a little bit, but then teams start seeing the film and, you know, things go south. Is there any concern about that? Or do you, how sustainable do you feel like this run is, I guess?
1: And this is the conversation amongst Baylor hoopheads: heads is, oh, okay, this is great. I love it. This is super fun. <clears throat> um, when is, <clears throat> when is this going to be real life again? And <laughs> we said that after the Texas Tech win, we were like, okay. Going to West Virginia, it's got to regress somehow. <laughs> nope, scored 85 in Morgantown. Uh, okay, well, you know, we don't know much about this Alabama team, but they're way bigger than Baylor. So certainly there will be some sort of matchup problems inside, and there were to a degree, but nope, that's a that's a win uh, against Alabama. Okay, well, definitely here's a downer. It's cold in Norman, and, you know, you have to go on the road again. Nope, 30-point win. Like, so every every time – Baylor fans think that it might be coming to an end, not the whole season, but just this run. Baylor comes out and plays better than the game before. So I am going to continue to question it and hope that the results continue as well. Yeah.
2: And Eric, I'll give you a chance. We can talk about K State's run. But before we, we do that, real quick, I want to talk about the non conference because, you know, a lot of K State fans understand we think K State has bad losses and losing at Tulsa and at AM. But Baylor has uh, lost us on a different level. So mm-hmm. what what happened against Texas Southern and, and Stephen F. Austin, Matt?
1: Hey man, uh <laughs> see what had happened was so Texas Southern I have I have no idea. I do know that nineteen turnovers is not a great place to start. You don't want to turn the ball over nineteen times to anybody. But then you know, you come out and you win three straight. You lose to a a good question mark asterisk Ole miss team. I don't know. It's whatever. <laughs> You get a couple more wins. You lose to what looks like maybe a bad Wichita State team. Maybe not bad, but average at best.
2: I think they be Tulsa, uh, though.
1: But anyways.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you come out and you lose to Stephen F. Austin. Again, turning the ball over 17 times. And I have no idea. And you follow that with a win at Oregon. So, you know, it's or not at Oregon. Home for Oregon. But it's a... Kind of inexplicable. I think this team was probably still trying to work in some of the new faces, right? Makai Mason, Jared Butler, Mario Kegler, Matthew Mayer, a freshman. Like all of these new names trying to replace Jake Lindsey in that guard rotation. Maybe that had something to do with it. And, you know, you had this Texas Southern team actually is pretty good. Not great, but pretty good. They're organized. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get organized athletes and you can go beat anybody. And that's the beauty of basketball. So we're not going to talk about that anymore because Baylor's good
2: now. <laughs> Uh Okay, fair enough. Um, so we'll, we'll move on. Of course, you know we are talking about Baylor because that's a Saturday game. And that's how we do things. But th- that's not really the game on the mind of, of Kansas State fans right now. Eric, uh, tomorrow is the game in Kansas, and I thought Blair Kirchhoff said it pretty well in, in a column that he wrote that it, it sort of feels like a. If we can't beat KU right now, then then when can K-State beat them?
0: (laughs) That's a fair point. That's a fair point. I I didn't read exactly what he wrote today. But, you know, I would feel more confident if I knew that we didn't have those games in us, like uh, scoring 47 points at home against Texas. Um, You know, those kind of things stick in my head as a possibility. But I also know that there's no way that Barry Brown and Dean Wade are letting this team score 47 points against Kansas and, uh, at Bramwich tomorrow night. So this is uh, – I, w- I will make it – every year we come in, you know, wondering if this is the year that KU is going to be, get beat, uh, you know, and, and so on and so forth. And, you know, this year starting them off ranked number one, even th- – there was just too many new moving pieces mm-hmm. and parts for me to really buy into that, that they were that good. Yeah. But as the season has gone along, and especially with uh, with Azubuki getting uh, getting injured for, and being out for the rest of the season, I'll go ahead and say it. this is the worst Kansas team that I have seen in recent memory.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, there are there are facets of the game that they are just not good at. Yeah.
2: And for what it's worth, apparently Marcus Garrett is out for
0: tomorrow's game as well. I just saw that. Did we you know anything about that? Like what the story is there? I think it was just an injury, right? Uh, yeah, I, I, all I saw that he was out. You know, it, it's funny that we're at a point now where I immediately wonder if uh, someone found out that he's that his parents got paid <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah.
2: I mean, obviously it didn't bother him against Texas Tech very much, so who knows. Uh, but I guess, you know, speaking of the dethrone Kansas, and, and Matt, you can chime in on this as well, like, you know, at, at what point can we really uh, start to believe that, that that could happen? You know, right now, obviously, they're just a half game back, but I, I look at it as if KU loses... This one, uh, in Manhattan, and if they lose at TCU, then I think we can start saying, yeah, this this really looks like it will be the time. I don't know.
1: What you I, I, I think you have to wait until they are mathematically eliminated. I really <laughs> do. And, it, and that's not really a testament to Kansas because this has been a, a very poor coaching job. I'll, I'll come out and say it. A very poor coaching job from Bill Self. You have you know, McDonald's All-Americans up and down the roster five stars up and on the roster, and you have people uh, saying, it's okay, it's okay, Bill. So injuries, and then you have teams like TCU and Baylor and Kansas State who are dealing with injuries for considerable portions of their seasons, and they're doing just fine. And they don't have the five stars up and on the roster, right? Or, or you don't even have a center starting point. I just think Bill Self has been great. I I don't want to take anything away from his career, but this season has not been his best job. That being said, the Big 12 is so densely good that it will cannibalize itself to a degree. And that gives everybody a chance, including Kansas. So until they are mathematically eliminated, I won't bet against them, unfortunately. I will bet on Baylor, but uh, not against Texas. Does that make sense? I, I don't it. think that makes sense, yeah. but it also makes sense. Yeah, no, it completely makes sense. And,
0: and ultimately, I look at is if they keep if they keep not being able to win on the road in the conference, then it becomes more and more likely. Um, you know, we know that they're going to be hard to beat uh, in, in Allen Fieldhouse because you're always playing against eight instead of five. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's, yeah, it's, what are they, one and five on the road? Is that right? This season? I believe so,
2: yeah. One in five uh, total because they lost at Arizona State, one in four in the
0: conference, right? You know, you uh, you hear people say it, how hard it is to win on the road in the Big 12. And, you know, that's ultimately what's been their separating factor from their competition for the last, mm-hmm. you know, umpteen years that they've won it is is being able to win on the road in, in the conference. So, if their ability to win on the road starts to uh, starts to normalize with the rest of the conference, then I think it'll be competitive right up to the very end. Yeah.
2: Oh, and just to correct that, sorry, I forgot they lost that Kentucky too. So it's one in three in conference and one in five overall. Okay. And no shame in the loss to Kentucky. That's a tough place to win.
0: But going going back to uh, to what you said, Matt, about the conference cannibalizing itself, I just I just looked, and as of today, according to Ken Palm, eight of the team of, of the ten teams in the Big Twelve are in the top forty.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's just stacked year yeah. after year after year. Some of the high level teams, maybe not you know as dynamic as the Duke or Kentucky, but I'll be damned if not every team is dangerous.
0: Yeah, and if the stupid things is is if you go in and sort it by def- defensive efficiency, seven of the top twenty six teams in the country are from the Big Twelve.
2: Yeah, that's impressive. In,
0: in de- defensive efficiency, I mean it it sucks to play basketball in the Big Twelve right now because yeah. you the defenses are so good.
2: Well, and what do you think? So I've, I've heard um, <laughs> some people. Well, I've I've heard some people say that's because there's less offensive talent in the conference. Do you think that there's any truth to that?
1: Maybe, but I don't have to say it.
2: (laughs) Okay.
0: Okay. There it is. I mean, I I really think that if, uh, you know, so if you look at K-State, K-State is not a great offensive team by scheme, by ability, by players, by, you know, talent, whatever word you want to put in there. K-State's not a great offensive team. Iowa State should be. Texas should be. Mm KU should be. If you start taking a look at those, and and, and frankly, K-State's a little bit of an outlier there. Where K State has a poor, de- has a has a, 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 a I'll, I'll say poor. It's you know middle of the road from an offensive efficiency standpoint, but from a defensive efficiency standpoint, like they're you know certainly in that the, that top twenty six I was talking about, and a lot of the a lot of the teams that are above K State in the overall rankings, the efficiency delta, if you will, they they have top thirty offenses too. Yeah. Yeah,
2: that's fair. All right. Well, I I think. Probably about time to, to wrap it up here, Matt. Um, this is normally the part where we would ask you to make a prediction, but I'm gonna do something a little different. For those of you who follow Matt on Twitter, y- you might know that after games, he likes to uh, call out fans who say. Negative hey, things. and there's a code. Let me. I did, so yeah, that's what that's what I want to say. I want my my okay. question for you, Matt, is what advice can you give to K State fans who don't want to be called out in, in the event of a K State loss?
1: Hey. Just say, "Dang, uh, that loss sucked." I didn't like that. Unfortunately, Kansas State didn't play as well as Baylor. <laughs> uh, here are the things to avoid: saying cuss words at Baylor, like saying "I hate Scott Drew" or "I hate Baylor" or things of that name. Don't be don't be so negative because that that's uh, that's how I find you. Don't be negative. <laughs> all right. Well, there you go. I just want people to be positive. I just want yeah. there to be love in the Big Twelve. Basketball is all about love. Okay. uh but sometimes uh yeah sometimes there's not unless
0: it's kansas yeah uh nobody loves kansas so.
2: <laughs> or james harden nobody
1: loves james harden either
0: oh, cool. <laughs> we are we going there are we going <laughs> to I do can't do that, we
1: go man. there i will make a prediction i do have to run guys but i will yeah. make a prediction baylor at texas on wednesday win baylor at home against kansas state on saturday win baylor at home against oklahoma win lost against texas tech the week after that so three more in the win streak put your mortgage on it uh, that is a stone cold lock three in a row just bet the money line or whatever spread it doesn't matter baylor's winning by 20 each game guys have a fantastic week
2: all right there you go well thanks uh matt we appreciate it as always
1: no problem y'all sick them all
0: right <laughs> so yeah
2: last